What would you do if you took a beautiful trip to the happiest place on earth? You're so excited to be able to spend time with your family, ride some rides, eat some good food, and just enjoy yourself. But the happiest place on earth has a dark side to it. And unfortunately for you, you have to find out the hard way. But will this place make that as hard as possible? Will you never find out what truly lies beneath the surface? Hello, my fellow divers, and welcome back to another episode of Crime Dive, where we take a deep dive into crime. I'm your host, Lexi. Thank you so much for listening and watching. If you're new, welcome to the water. We're so happy to have you. If you're returning, welcome back to the water. We missed you, and thank you for coming back to take another deep dive into crime with us. Please be sure to share this channel with anybody who you think might enjoy it, or anybody you think might not enjoy it, and I can make them enjoy it. And like, subscribe, turn on your post notifications, all the things. So I'm a little bit upset right now because right before recording this video, I actually found out that my TikTok got banned. Um, I'm pretty upset about it, not gonna lie, and I think I know why it got banned, and I it wasn't my fault because I'm very careful with what I post, but I think I made someone mad with a video that I posted on this channel. And I was warned by the family to be on the lookout for this person, and I was, but I had never thought in a million years that they could get my account banned because I never do anything wrong on it. So I've currently filed three appeals and I'm just waiting to hear back. Hopefully they give it back to me. I do think I was mass reported. I'm very upset right now, but everybody please cross your fingers and hope for the best. Today's video is gonna be a little different than videos that I've normally done. I've actually done an episode like this before, but it was an audio only episode about Action Park, which was an old amusement and water park in Vernon, New Jersey. A lot of people really liked that episode, so go ahead and listen to it if you haven't already. I think it was my second or third episode that I ever did, so it might sound a little rough than these ones do because that's when I was first starting out. But today we're going to be talking about the dark side of Disney. I think everybody knows that Disney definitely has the persona of having a squeaky clean image but on the inside there's a lot of things going on that definitely probably shouldn't be. Specifically we're going to be talking about issues that have gone on within Disney parks and the amount of people that have actually passed away at Disney. But with that let's get right into the case. First we're going to be talking about the history of Disney. Where did Disney come from? How did it originate and where did it start? Disney was founded in California on October 16, 1923 by Walt and Roy Disney, who were both brothers. Disney started out as being called Disney Brothers Studio, but later they changed the name to Walt Disney Studio. On November 18, 1928, the first cartoon featuring the now extremely popular Mickey Mouse launched Walt Disney Studios into stardom and paved the way for the most well-known cartoons, such as Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Bambi, and of course, Cinderella. But Walt Disney really wanted to branch out. He knew eventually people were gonna catch up to what he was doing and he wanted to do something different that could add value to the public. Now around this time, he was really interested in amusement parks because anytime he would go to the parks with his children, he found himself pretty bored, just kind of sitting on the sidelines while they were going to play. And he wanted a place that was for kids and adults. So he decided to open Disneyland on July 17th, 1955 in Anaheim, California. And of course, as we all know, Disneyland is based on Disney, what he created in his cartoons and his characters. 
which made it feel familiar to people. The first day at Disney, there were 28,000 people in attendance, even though only 11,000 people bought tickets. But the rest of the attendees, they actually somehow got their hands on counterfeit tickets in order to get into the park. Now, although Disney lost money on this, it kind of spoke to their popularity. I mean, wow, the fact that people wanted to get in so bad that they were making fake tickets, that kind of made it seem like, oh, okay, you know, there's some interest in a, like a really weird way. By November of 1963, eight years after Disneyland had opened, Walt Disney was looking to open a second park on the East Coast, and he wanted this one to be much bigger than Disneyland. So he ended up buying 25,000 acres of land in Orlando. He made sure to use fake names because he didn't want people to know that Disney was buying this land because they knew that the price of it would go up. So they were able to keep the project under wraps for a while until they eventually bought the land. And then they came out with the story that they were opening a second park and people could not wait. Finally, you didn't have to go all the way to the West Coast in order to enjoy Disneyland. The East Coast was gonna have their own and it was gonna be way bigger. But unfortunately, before the completion of the project, Walt Disney passed away on December 15, 1966, at the age of 65 from lung cancer. His brother Roy ended up overseeing the project in his absence, and he really wanted to finish what his brother started. And Disney World opened on October 1st, 1971. Unfortunately, Roy ended up passing away a few months later on December 20th. It was nice that he was at least able to watch the park open and operate and see the fruits of him and his brother's labor. Disney World was much bigger than Disneyland and people absolutely loved this. Disney World also featured the famous Magic Kingdom. I've actually been to Disney World once. I went when I was six and the last day that we were there was my seventh birthday. So we kind of went for my birthday, but we also kind of just wanted to go. And I remember being obsessed obsessed with Magic Kingdom. It was huge, it was amazing, it was grand. And when you're a little girl who loves princesses, you just wanted to live there. The success of the first two Disney parks gave way to opening even more parks in the future. And now there are 12 Disney parks in existence all over the world in cities such as Tokyo, Paris, and Hong Kong. But Disney is not always the happiest place on earth like they try to make it seem. Disney has a dark side and there's a lot that goes on there that probably shouldn't. But if there's one thing that's very tragic about Disney's history, it's the amount of people that have actually passed away there from rides that may have malfunctioned or just weren't properly checked by Disney maintenance workers. The first death that was reported at Disney was in May of 1964, when 15 year old Mark Maples was riding the Matterhorn bobsleds ride at Disney when one of his friends unbuckled his seatbelt as a joke while the ride was moving. And at that point, Mark decided to stand up while the ride was in motion, and he ended up losing his balance and falling on the track below. He fractured his ribs and his skull, and unfortunately, he passed away just three days later. But this wouldn't be the last incident that occurred on the Matterhorn bobsleds ride. In 1984, a woman named Regina Dolly Young was also riding the ride. When she fell from her bobsled as it was going around the track, she ended up falling onto the tracks below as well, but she was hit by an oncoming bobsled and she was killed instantly. This accident was said to be from a seatbelt malfunction, although this has yet to be proved. So at this point, they don't know if she just didn't buckle herself incorrectly or if the seatbelt just wasn't working properly, which caused her to fall out during the ride. Her family ended up suing Disney, but the suit was later settled, but they definitely believed that the seatbelts malfunctioned, which caused Dolly to fall out. Disney has since changed the style of the Matterhorn seatbelts, but they said it has nothing to do with Dolly's death. 
Park riders and workers have said that Dolly still haunts the Matterhorn bobsled ride to this day. They said they've either seen her or felt her presence. The place where she actually passed away is known as Dolly's Dip, and they say that they feel her presence there even more. On July 8, 1974, 18-year-old Disneyland employee Deborah Stone was working the America Sings attraction, which features animatronic animals singing songs. She was standing on a platform inside the ride during an intermission, and this platform actually was in between a revolving wall and a stationary wall. When all of a sudden, a guest reported hearing a blood-curdling scream, and they found that Deborah Stone had been crushed between this revolving wall and a stationary wall as she was standing on the platform, and she was killed. The ride had only been open for two weeks at that point, but it didn't shut down until 14 years later. They just had to put a sign up letting people know that they weren't supposed to stand there. On August 11th, 1977, a four-year-old boy was separated from his family while they were watching a parade, and he ended up wandering around the park when he accidentally fell into the moat that surrounded Cinderella's castle, and he ended up drowning. His parents later sued the park because they believed that a barrier should have been in place so this wouldn't have happened. Eventually, the suit was settled, but they didn't get as much money as they were seeking because it was found that they were somewhat responsible for what happened. In September of 2000, a four-year-old boy named Brandon Zucker was riding the Roger Rabbit cartoon spin ride when it spun so fast to the point that he ended up being ejected from it and he got trapped under another car on the track. He was trapped for about 10 minutes and by the time he was freed, he had suffered severe brain damage and he never talked or walked again. On January 26, 2009, Brandon Zucker unfortunately passed away at the age of 13, eight years after the initial accident. He had been fighting for a really long time, but eventually his body just gave out. The state of California determined that they did not properly load Brandon into the ride when he first got in. So because he was only four at the time and he was really small, he was not supposed to be sitting near the entrance of the car because there was a chance that he could fall out. He should have been sitting on the inside where there was no entryway to prevent falling out. And ride operators should have known this and they didn't do that correctly. They were also found to have not properly secured the lap bar over Brandon, which would have also prevented him from falling out. Brandon's family ended up suing Disneyland and it was later settled. One of the worst accidents that I think I've ever heard of at an amusement park occurred at Disneyland in September of 2003 on the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad ride. There was a very bad mechanical failure on this train car ride that caused the trains to derail off the track after they made a sharp turn on the ride. And this ended up causing a chain reaction that led to all the cars derailing and piling up on one another. 22-year-old Marcelo Torres was riding in the front train car and he got the worst injuries. He suffered severe blunt force trauma and unfortunately, he ended up passing away. 10 other people were injured in this accident as well. Now the crazy part about it is the fact that help did not come for another 20 minutes. And by that point, Marcelo had already passed away. So the riders are just sitting there with his body waiting for help to arrive. Marcelo's parents ended up suing Disney for his death after it was revealed that the cause of the crash was because two bolts had come loose from a wheel. This very easily could have been caught by regular maintenance and safety checks, but these checks weren't being performed, which caused the bolts to get looser and looser until finally they just gave way. Riders had actually said that this ride had been having some issues even before this accident, so it could have been prevented, but Disney didn't do anything about it. Disney later settled the case with Marcelo's parents and in a very 
rare twist, they actually took responsibility for his death and for the accident. I mean, we know it's their fault, but very rarely do you see a big corporation actually take responsibility for something that happened. It's said that Marcelo also haunts this ride as well, specifically at a bench near the ride, and people say that they can feel his presence. This was just one of three very serious accidents that occurred at Disneyland within a span of five years. One of the accidents occurred in 1998, when a rider was killed after being hit by an iron mechanism that flew off the Columbia sailing ship. Just two years later, nine passengers got severely injured. On the popular Space Mountain ride, when a bolt suddenly broke loose, something else that could have been prevented with just regular maintenance and safety checks. After Marcelo's death, the state of California required Disneyland that they had to retrain all of their maintenance workers and ride operators. They also had to test run every single car on Big Thunder Mountain before it could open. And they also had to do some extreme maintenance to the ride as well. Whoever did the maintenance had to be the person who signed off to make sure that it was completed. Perhaps one of the craziest stories that I think I've ever heard happening at Disneyland occurred on the night of September 12th, 1992, when 37 year old Alan J. Ferris ended up getting into the park with a firearm and he had it hidden in an athletic bag. He hung around the park until it closed and then he went to Epcot and he was told by three security guards that he had to leave. At that point, he pulled out his firearm and he demanded that they allow him to see his ex-girlfriend who also worked at the park as security. They refused to do so, so at this point, Alan fired four shots at them. Luckily, none of them were hit but he did take them to the bathroom in order to hold them hostage for 10 minutes. By the time he released them, police were already on the scene surrounding him and they ordered him to drop his weapon. Alan refused and he ended up using his weapon to take his own life. It was later revealed that Alan's girlfriend who worked at the park, whose name has not been released, had an order of protection out against him. So he was not allowed to be around her at all. This made a lot of people feel unsafe. They were wondering how did he even get in the park with a weapon? in the first place. I mean, isn't there some sort of security check that he has to go through? How was he just allowed in like that? This clearly showed that the security measures at Disney were severely lacking. Now, despite all of these accidents that occurred at Disney and people actually losing their lives there, Disney refuses to pronounce anybody dead at Disney, even though there were many occurrences where people were killed instantly at Disney. And this has a lot to do with their no death at Disney policy, where people are not allowed to be pronounced dead on the premises of Disney. They can be pronounced dead once they leave, but they're not allowed to be while they're still there. There was actually an incident where a guy was being resuscitated, even though it was very clear that he was gone. And people were looking like, why are they still doing this? It's clear that he's gone now, what's happening? This is because Disney refused to allow anybody to be pronounced dead on their grounds. Because according to them, nobody dies at Disney. And they did this to maintain their squeaky clean image. Disney wants everybody to think that it's the happiest place on earth, but it's not always that especially for its employees. It's been said that Disney employees are extremely underpaid and they do a lot of work. They oftentimes struggle to make ends meet. They either have to live with other Disney park employees, sometimes nine to an apartment, a one bedroom apartment at that, or they have to stay in motels nearby that often aren't the most safe. Some Disney employees are known to end up homeless because their wages working at the parks just aren't enough for them to support themselves. Now, despite these issues, they always have to maintain a positive disposition and put on a happy face when they're working at Disney because like I said, it's supposed to be the happiest place on earth. Everybody's supposed to be smiling, having fun, being chivalrous, but that's really hard to do when you have a lot of things going on behind the scenes that aren't so happy. 
In 2022, Disney announced that they were going to build affordable housing for their employees, but that has yet to happen. As of this year, they said that they were going to start building next year. But in the meantime, people are still struggling. They've been lobbying for years to get their wages raised, but they've remained stagnant while the executives are getting paid tens of million dollars a year. Now, I understand that executives are going to make more than employees, but the pay gap is so huge. I mean, the executives are literally floating, swimming, drowning in money while employees are just struggling to survive. And it's really not fair. The cost of living in Florida is expensive and Disney's wages do not match it at all. To make matters worse, there are a lot of Disney employees that really shouldn't be working there in the first place because they have been accused of sex crimes against children. Since 2006, 35 Disney employees have been accused of these acts and 32 have been convicted, which is pretty scary. And this is just what we know about. Imagine all the people that are still working there or have worked there that we don't know about. Now, I'm sure these people probably target working at Disney because it is a place geared towards children, so that way they can have access to children. And you would think Disney would perform background checks in order to see if people like that are applying to work there in order to prevent things like this happening. There was actually an incident on a Disney cruise where an 11 year old girl was victimized by an employee. And this man admitted that he actually did it and it was caught on camera, so he couldn't deny it. And what did Disney do? Disney flew him back to his own country and kept him out of trouble. They literally covered it up because it looked bad. Never mind the fact this 11 year old girl was victimized by a grown man, but you're gonna protect the guy and help him get out of Dodge? Really? Disney definitely has a history of covering things up a lot of the time. And this really reminds me of the Disney Cruise employee, Rebecca Corium. And if you don't know about that case, Rebecca Corium was a Disney Cruise employee who went missing on a cruise that she was working. And Disney did all but nothing to help find her. They refused to turn the ship around because they didn't want to alert their customers that something was going on. But something was wrong. Something was very wrong and it should be publicized but they didn't want to worry people. So they didn't look for Rebecca as hard as they should have. And there was a lot that they really didn't do. And to this day, Rebecca is still missing. They cared more about not alerting people that something was wrong or not making Disney cruises seem unsafe than they did about actually finding Rebecca, which is just heartbreaking. Disney is known to prioritize their image over a lot of other more important things because they don't want to appear to be messed up. But at the end of the day, Disney has a very dark undercurrent to it, as most positive things do. I mean, a lot has come out about Disney in recent years, especially about Disney child stars that I grew up watching. And you find out that things were not as squeaky clean as they portrayed them to be. But with that, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want more episodes like this, please let me know. I also plan on doing a few other different things just to kind of take a break from what I normally do. I just want to mix it up a little bit. Also, please be sure to check out the weekly review video that I've already posted by now so you can know what's going on currently in true crime today. Also, fingers crossed that I get my TikTok back. We will see what happens. I'll update you guys on that in my next video. Thank you so much for listening and watching and I hope to see you in the water soon.